Hey, this is Mark A. Altman. And if you're a fan of this podcast, you already know the 50-year mission is definitive oral history of Star Trek. And Secrets of the Force will tell you everything you want to know about the history of Star Wars. But what you probably don't know is Ed Gross and I have a new book coming out this July. They shouldn't have killed this dog. The complete uncensored ass-kicking oral history of John Wick, Gun Fu, and the new age of action. Coming from St. Martin's in hardcover, digital, and audio. You can order it today. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman. This is Darren Doctorman, and we are the Inglorious Trexperts. See, I thought it was a classic femme fatale. Just so much fun. Like that Shakespearean lace in your acting. I said, Gene, what do you want from this character? I want you to just take the character and make it your own. <laughs> <laughs> I had a good time on the film. On day one, the movie was already $15 million over budget. We started this movie without an ending. That's like painting yourself into a corner. I don't think we've ever had a Star Trek oh, captain on our true. show. Being, as you said, number one of the, on the call sheet, it is a producer's position if you're going to take it seriously. I was so glad they didn't cast me as Lorca. <laughs> <laughs> you famously wrote that script in 12 days. On one level, I wrote the script. And on another level, the story was written by everybody in sure. his brother. New episodes every Saturday, wherever you listen to podcasts, or download the Electric Now app. Keep on trekking. Ingloriously, of course. Inglorious Trexperts, the only podcast for fans with a life, is available every Friday, wherever you listen to podcasts, and on the free Electric Now app. Download it today. Hello and welcome to Best Movies Never Made, a podcast where we talk about interesting and infamous movies that never made it to or through production. Most of the time, the movies you're trying to make don't get made. Like, four of them may happen, one of them may happen, none of them may yeah. happen, and I'll be attached to three more things by end of summer. Turn the script into something resembling like Unforgiven with Conan. Yeah. Suddenly the rights expired and the whole thing just like went away oh. overnight. New episodes will be available every other Monday. We won't see you at the movies. Best Movies Never Made, as featured in Entertainment Weekly, is available wherever you listen to podcasts and on the free Electric Now app. Hey, I'm Mark A. Altman, and this week on the 430 Movie... It's Great Scott Week! Great Scott! Great Scott! Great Scott! Great Scott! Great Scott! As always, your regular 430 movie hosts are all here, and not not one Scott among them, as far as I know. So, uh, don't you think you should rephrase that, laddie? Um, (laughs) Okay, so uh, we got uh, on Monday, play the bagpipes. Oh, wait, no, wrong, <laughs> wrong Scott. It's Steve Melching. <laughs> you know, I was very nearly a Scott. Uh, my uh, Apparently, Scott was a, a front runner for my name, um, but they huh. settled on Steve, and I prefer it that way. On Tuesday, <laughs> you know, if Scott Mance was here, then we would be all set. That's right. <laughs> so uh, on Tuesday, it's you know, Darren Dodgeman. Say, say his name three times and he'll appear. Be careful. That's oh. true. Or metamorphosis. <laughs> That's right. And I mean, I'm not talking about Kafka either. Uh, Darren Dockerman's here on Tuesday. <laughs> Great Scott. <laughs> <laughs> on Wednesday, Ashley Edward Miller. My grandmother had wheels. She'd be a wagon. Not that Scott. Oh, <laughs> not that Scotty. I got news for you, Ashley. Your grandmother was a wagon. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> My God. <laughs> Michael Scott. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's so interesting. People are probably saying, what the hell? Great Scott. We, last week, last week, we did a, a, a surprise week where we picked, uh, unbeknownst to our host, other than me, a bunch of categories that were chosen at random or randomized beyond your imagination by our young apprentice. And uh, he picked. Uh, and so at the end, after we, we did our surprise week, uh, we decided the last surprise would be to pick this week out of the randomizer. So uh, we randomized it, we picked it, and it was indeed Great Scott Week. With whatever <laughs> comes with that label, we don't know. We'll find out. We're not going to try to define it. It's undefinable. So um, we're just going to go with it and see what happens. <laughs> and uh, because, uh, you know, it could be... Uh, who knows? So we're going to find out. But could be uh, meat. It could be cake. Indeed. Indeed, it could. <laughs> so I want to ask uh, this week, without any spoilers, uh, did anyone get to the uh, movie theater to see uh, Doctor Strange 2 in the in the uh, multiverse of madness? Oh, yes, I did. So what? Not, I. not Darren. Not I said Darren. But he was at <laughs> Darren was at. And I couldn't go because he was at a screening. 40th anniversary screening of Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan at the American Cinematex Arrow Theater as part of their 1982 tribute. And he interviewed, along with someone else on this panel, I'm not saying who, um, (laughs) uh, the great Walter Koenig and Eddie Egan, two of our favorite people. Check off. The other interviewer might have the initials (laughs) M-A-A. You you could say it was Chekhov's gun because Chekhov showed up at the end. (laughs) And uh, and, uh, it was uh, was really great because... um, he got there really early. We sent a car for him, but it got it, it got him there way too early because there was no traffic on the weekend. So he watched the movie. He watched Star Trek Two. He watched Star Trek Two. Spock dies at the end. And he spoiler loved, alert. And he <laughs> loved he loved it. He was so interested. He, he was starting to answer questions this time. Say, you know, that movie's really good. You know, that movie's forty years old. It really holds up. And it's like it was like it was hysterical. When was, was the last time he had seen it? it he said like thirty years ago. What? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. He says he never sees it. He he doesn't seek it out. And when he goes to these conventions, they don't show the movie. They People don't ask him to speak at this. And uh, so this was like the first time like he actually sat and watched the movie. And he was just going on talking about how great the movie was. And it was so wonderful. And it was then, so good to see. It was so good to see him <laughs> enjoying just a little bit of what we enjoy. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And, and, and then he told us something we'd never heard, which is great. Apparently... When Star Trek II was in production, he went to a dinner party uh, and it was uh, him and his wife at Harlan Ellison's house. Okay. And the other guest was Nick Meyer and Bill Shatner's daughter. So because Nick and Bill Shatner's daughter were dating at the time. Wait, what? And, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's You'll find out when you see 1982, greatest geek year ever. Um, that was a nice little revelation I hadn't heard before. So Beyonce consists of boiled dog. So, so <laughs> I, I, I think someone, and maybe it's Ashley, maybe it's Steve. I don't know. Someone needs to write a one act play, Harlan yeah. and Nick, just yeah. about <laughs> that night at Harlan's house. I, I do not understand. You talk about what does God need? When one night at Harlan's makes a hard man humble. <laughs> Can you imagine <laughs> the egos? The, the battling egos between Harlan and Nick. I mean, I, and we say that with love because they're two extremely bright gentlemen, uh, uh, brilliant, but of not, course, not they're not embarrassed to tell you they are. So <laughs> there's not a lot of humility there. There's a lot of genius. There's a lot of Mensa action going on, but there's not a lot of humility. So anyway, 
I can only imagine what Nick Meyer and Harlan uh's dinner was like. You wow. know what it was? It was just basically these... thinking about Gene Roddenberry. <laughs> yeah, that could about. very well be. <laughs> um, it, it's at this point that, you know, the secondary characters realize that they have been traveling with demigods. <laughs> <laughs> you know, once again, Walter had nothing to do. He was uh, he was supporting because you had Harlan and Nick taking all their lines the whole night. <laughs> I, I, I have to say, I think for Comic-Con, we, we should, uh, you know, we have about 40 minutes. We should we should write and perform Harlan Nick for Comic Con. Oh my God! I'm throwing out the gauntlet now. <laughs> oh my God! Could you imagine? I just can't even imagine. I want to I want to talk to Nick and find out if he remembers anything about that night. Yeah. So anyway, but Doctor Strange asked, "Did you like it?" I did. Um, it's like, but you can't talk about it at all. Yeah, you really can't. Is it? Can't you? Yeah. No, you just can't. Like. It's um, you're talking yeah, about it's it like now. a lot. You can't even talk about why you can't talk about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I feel like, though? This is not a criticism. I liked it. It's Evil Dead for teenagers. It is you know? a little bit. And, and, but then I, I started to think about it. And I was thinking when we were young, Evil Dead was Evil Dead for teenagers. <laughs> That's right. So now new teenagers need their Evil Dead. I was actually talking to Caden a little bit about um, about Sam Raimi. And just sort of explaining like the the Ramy of it all, and we decided that indeed he's ready for Army of Darkness. Um, mm. But uh, yeah, it's but again, we can't even talk about that too much because then suddenly, you know, Sam Ramius. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we're not up to great Scots yet. Stop it. <laughs> yeah, I was surprised at how much Ramy made it into a mainstream MCU movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it certainly had uh, his personality all over it. But has and, it really? Sorry, go ahead. And, and well, I was just going to say there was one particular cameo in the movie that uh, I found uh, particularly gratifying uh, from uh, my X-Men, the animated series days. Yeah, yeah. My question about the movie, of course, is, um, you know, how, does it really get to be like you, you need to go with a, um, a scorecard or, or a... Um, a program like it's so dense now, the mythology of the MCU, that it's very hard to just go into this movie without knowing anything about Marvel movies and expect to understand a thing that's going on. Like now it's not even the movies. You have to watch the TV shows, too. Yeah, this one in particular, like yeah. you yeah. have to watch the TV shows yeah. um, to fully understand, like to the sort of the the weight of what's going on at all. Yeah. Well, the have. whole motivation was the uh, uh, WandaVision was a must, yeah, a prerequisite for well, for really. For I wouldn't spoiler. even say getting the most out of it. It's sort of understanding it. Yeah, yeah, sure, yeah, yeah. And then people said you had to watch What If. Also, I'm like, how no, many shows do I have? I, to I watch? completely disagree with that. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, I think if you watched What If, you would recognize some things. But frankly, right. like the things you would recognize, I, I don't believe are actually those things. Yeah. Mm, yeah. So it's just What If is interesting, but it's okay. not required by any stretch of the imagination. WandaVision, 100. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's no, it's no spoiler to say you should watch WandaVision first because she's all over the poster. She's a main character in the movie, so. Yeah. It, it, yeah. You need to watch that series before yeah. you see yep. this movie. Yeah. Okay, well, look, before we spoil anything for Darren or our audience, um, we should move on to the real spoiler, which is Great Scott Week! 
<laughs> and yes. uh, nothing spoils like a Scott. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, this is uh, this is a week about um, I don't know what it's about, but it's, it has a cool name. So when they're promoting it, you know, and saying next week on the 430 movie, it's great Scott week. It'll be like, you know, I want to watch like, that. We'll see what that is. <laughs> so <laughs> I mean, not, you would, I have I have an idea of so what it's about, but I could be wrong. We, 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 we've come a All long way from, uh, you know, Alien Invasion Weeks. You know what that is. You know, <laughs> we, you, you know, uh, uh, you know, we did the Sword and Sorcery Week. Yeah, you, you know what that is. Speaking of Sword and Sorcery Week, I want to, uh, before we go move on, I want a big shout out to our mutual friend and former 430 movie guest host, um, Ryan Condell. His trailer just dropped for House of the Dragon. It looks amazing. We're so proud of Ryan and um, excited for him when yeah. his show drops on HBO Max uh, this uh, this August, uh, House of the Dragon. It's the uh, new uh, Game of Thrones. And uh, he was our guest on Sword and Sorcery Week. And um, we're just uh, pleased as punch about and the his house success. Is, the house is at least 4,000 square feet, so it's rather large. <laughs> What's amazing is the, the dragons <laughs> found dragon. an easier time getting a house than you have, Darren. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Darren. <laughs> Okay, so it's like the rental to, of I, the I dragon. I have to roommate with the dragon. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> and these two time. dragons live together without driving each other crazy. That's I what I want to see. It's hard, you know, when you're a dragon because you got to find a house with a horde room. What is it with that? With all you guys and dragons, you got the dragon's blood. You, uh, Ashley, and Steve, <laughs> and then you got the the him with the dragons. Everybody with the dragons. Everybody's I'm got the their own dragon. dragon. And then everybody you know, had their own dragon. Like everybody had their own gringo. But Darren and I saw Pete's dragon as kids. You no, know, so we're all <laughs> we're all. It's all about the dragon. I don't think I did. No, I did. I don't, I don't think I did. I, did. I, I stayed I, away. How could you not see? You saw a search a historic Noah's Ark, but you didn't see Pete's dragon. Yeah. Yeah, because okay. I because I knew what I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> Peace Dragon was a lovely film. Lovely, it film. is a lovely film. Sure, it was. I didn't see the remake. Didn't want to, but I remember it. Only seen it once, but I remember it being lovely when I was five or whatever. Whatever I saw it. Okay, so now All we're right. on the great Scott week. We've got to get very serious here. So Steve, Steve Melching, Monday, <laughs> start Monday. us off. Well, my interpretation of what Great Scott Week is, and I'm curious to find out what everyone else's interpretation is, uh, is that it's a movie that was either made by or stars or had a significant contribution by a person named Scott. Or maybe hmm. it's a character in it named Scott. But Scott it w- it would be a, a major name uh, connected to the movie in some way. And I was I was looking at uh, the popularity of the name Scott, and it was not a particularly popular name in this country until the early 1930s. And it just took off like a rocket until you got to like the 60s and 70s. And it was a top 20 name for boys in the United States for like a good 20 to 30 years before dropping off a cliff in the 90s and the 2000s. You know, very popular now because because growing up, everybody knew a Scott. Yep. And he was an asshole. And nobody wants to name their kid after that guy. And I should say, there's no teacher to suck up to in this class, Steve. I mean, you come in (laughs) so prepared. Well, Scott was the derivation of the name Scott. Research. (laughs) Research. Reading. (laughs) I'm wondering, like, why, you know, because I knew a ton of Scotts growing up and a ton of Jeffs and a ton of Daves. Mm-hmm. And and a, f- a fair share of Steve. Steve was yeah, quite yeah, a popular a name uh, around around the same Steve time. Steve Rogers, <laughs> Stone Cold Steve Austin, Steve Austin. 
So uh, anyway, so that's the so that's the popularity of Scott. It made me wonder, like, you know, why are there so many? Because I started making, as I want to do, lists of people that fit the bill for what I think Great Scott Week is, and there's a lot of Scots, a lot of actors, a lot of directors, a lot of uh, you know uh, uh, characters uh, with that name. Producers, it's a strong actory name. Yeah, it's not like Hyam Berkowitz, you know, Scott. It just sounds like. <laughs> tough and 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 like you could you know it's a good generic kind of but actory name yeah it's a good one syllable strong name yeah. um so looking at looking at these lists of characters i thought um i, I realize or these names i realized there were a lot of movies with scots involved that i have picked before on the show like a lot <laughs> and i didn't want to pick uh, the same movie for this for this week. I was sorely tempted to by a couple of them, but mm -hmm. I decided to go in a direction um, that, uh, that we haven't talked about much before, and uh, it's a direction that uh, that might further annoy Mark because, <laughs> because my pick for uh, Great Scott Week is the great Randolph Scott, the actor Randolph and his film Scott. that we saw together at Telluride. Sing it with me. Seven, seven men, men. <laughs> seven men, <laughs> seven men from now. They say there are two things can force a man to any limits. Two things can drive him to the ends of the earth. Love and hate. He knew them both like burning brands lighting the trail of those he hunted. Seven men, seven of the fastest guns in the West. That kill him. They ever catch up to them fellas that done it? Two of them. coffee masters leave them alone i don't know what you're talking about just do as i tell you maybe you better mind your own business unless of course mrs greer in there is your business that leaves uh five still alive unless of course you catch up to her and if i do then all that stands between me and twenty thousand dollars is you by the great Bud Butiker, written by Burt Kennedy, produced by John Wayne via his production company, Batjack Productions, wow. uh, uh, with the cinematography by uh, William Clothier, who did a ton of uh, John Ford Westerns. And uh, this was the, the first uh, script written by Burt Kennedy, and it was bought by John Wayne, uh, and he intended to star in it himself. 
but he was contractually obligated to do the searchers for John Ford at that time. So he, uh, when he when he heard there was interest from other uh, movie stars, he quickly put it into production with uh, Randolph Scott as his star. And Randolph Scott was born in 1898. He served in World War I uh, in the army in combat fascinating and uh got into acting in movies and theater he performed in the pasadena playhouse uh before uh gaining more and more fame uh, as a movie star and he's one of those guys that was in just dozens and dozens of movies mostly westerns he did a whole string of zane gray westerns uh before doing uh seven men from now in seven men seven men Seven Men From Now is the first of a series of collaborations between Randolph Scott, uh, Bud Bedecker, and uh, Burt Kennedy. Kennedy. And they did a whole string of these uh, movies, starting with Seven Men. They also did The Tall T, Ride Lonesome, Comanche Station. And then without Kennedy, there's Buchanan Rides Alone and a Decision at Sundown. And these are all terrific, sparse, lean, mean Westerns that are about 75 minutes long with great well-drawn characters and you know really strong simple storylines morality play storylines and just a host of great guest stars uh in the villain parts the seven men from now the villain is played by lee marvin who we all love from uh the dirty dozen and cat baloo and and you know a, a bunch of other movies and uh, and the the female ingenue is uh uh, Gail Russell, who unfortunately led a tragic life, uh, struggled with alcoholism and, and died in her 30s, unfortunately. But uh, she was luminous in this film uh, as uh, as a settler from Kansas City going to California with her husband, who I uh, shouldn't spoil it because I'm guessing most of our audience has not seen this movie, which is another reason I picked it, because I always enjoy uh, advocating for movies that people haven't seen, and, and maybe they'll see them and, and enjoy them. and and uh, find something new. So uh, so that's my pick, Seven Men From Now. Well, Steve, I just want to say, not only am I not mad at you, like I was at Steve uh, at Ashley last week, um, and I'm still mad, uh, <laughs> and I'm mad at my son. I'm mad at both of you. Um, but Steve, I love that pick. I, I'm so happy you picked it. I think that the renowned Westerns are some of the best Westerns, not to be confused with Hotel. And, you know, the thing... The thing <laughs> The, the thing about it is that, um, you know, always people complain, oh, the Batman's too long. It's three hours. I don't like watching a three-hour movie. Well, you know what? Then watch the renowned Westerns. Because as you said, they are tight, tight, tight. They're 70 minutes. Uh, they're all great. Well, all the ones by Burke Kennedy are great. Decision is Sundown and Buchanan Rides Alone. They're totally watchable because they're like 70 minutes, but yeah. not as good. I mean, the the Ride Lonesome's amazing. The Tall T with Richard Boone. I mean, you know, I actually feel, you know, uh, there's a there's something Star Trek could learn from these things. It's like basically uh, Randolph Scott always played these lawmen with a code, and then the villains were always antagonists. I mean, they were bad, but they always he always got along with them. You understood their point of view. Yeah, Yeah. and they had like honor. It was kind yeah. of like a lot of times he was just the lawman that locked him up and they sort of respected him, even though they knew they were going to have to have the gunfight at the end. Well, and remember, Star Trek did take a cue from them. Yeah, I know. And that's why <laughs> I think that, you know, it'd be and nice. And it could and, again. That's yeah. the main. Somebody actually watched a Western instead of watching 
Star Trek and chose to ignore it. Um, but anyway, I, I just I love these films. I, I love the Bud Boddicker Westerns. We, we both were introduced to them at the same time at the Telluride Film Festival when we saw Seven Men from Now. And then in rapid succession, I think we saw the Tall T at the American Cinematheque. And, um, you know, uh, yeah, the Cinematheque did a whole uh, Bud Boddicker uh, retrospective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not to be confused with and the he was Clarence there. He, Boddicker Western. <laughs> yeah, the <laughs> bitches leave. <laughs> <laughs> I think Boddicker was still alive and attended. Uh, oh, he was in Telluride. I mean, it was a, yeah. that was like a revelation. And like, I, I, it's funny because as much as I love all the Ride Lonesome is probably my favorite. And mm. Karen Steele is in it, speaking of Star Trek. So, um, he was oh, one of Claude Aiken women. is in one of them. I mean, and and but it, it, it's the best villains like Lee Marvin in 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 um, to Seven Men from Now is fantastic. He is just, <laughs> yeah, he's so good. Yeah. He's so good. And uh, but you know I'm a huge fan of Richard Boone from Have Gun Will Travel. He's great in the Tall T. There's a nice. I think um, uh, I don't know if they were put out in the U.S., but they are on iTunes. But there's a great set they put out in England of all the Bedecker of these the renowned Bedecker westerns. There's a DVD set. There's a domestic DVD set. Oh, is there? Because I got, I got the blue, I got the Blu-ray set from, and I think it was, um, you know, for, in England. But it's region free. It's mm. great. Oh, it's great. It's great. It has great special features, and there's a Bedecker documentary on it, and footage of him bullfighting because he has. He was just look. This is the time. When the people making the movies were more interesting than the movies they made, he <laughs> yeah. was like a bullfighter, and he had this incredible story. They all did. It's like how Roddenberry, you know, flew in World War II and was a, you know, a speechwriter for um, the LAPD, and it's just like all these guys were so interesting. Well, and- Benneker and John Wayne first worked together together in a bullfighting movie, and that's how he he got to know him and, and wanted wanted him to insisted on having him direct Seven Men from Now. Which yeah. one of them played the bull? <laughs> well, probably John Wayne. I'm guess. not. I'm not a huge John Wayne like like Heston. I'm not a huge fan of John Wayne. Obviously, as a person, but I love him as an icon. You know, because and, and mostly because he was so involved in HUAC and and basically so many uh, great writers who lost their livelihood because of his insane red baiting. But um, but he was an amazing icon. Like I love you know I love the Searchers. I love a lot of his movies. But it's hard to really get behind John Wayne because of all the. Uh, the awful uh, things that he was politically that he was behind. But this is a great choice, Steve. I'm so happy that Randolph Scott <laughs> is part of our great Scott week. And you wouldn't be wrong to think he, he was on my short list. But now that you've you've checked the I box. freed you up. <laughs> freed me up to pursue other Scots. Okay, uh, fantastic. Great choice. So, Darren, what about you? I, that brings us I, just, I just want to mention that Randolph Scott is name checked in Blazing Saddles. Yes, he is. <laughs> you know, just to... Bring the younger people in, but even you they know, don't. The the ones that are forty five, they love blazing saddles. They're in their forties and fifties. Yeah. Yes. sixty-year-old younger people. That's right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yes. Tuesday. 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 I am in possession of the choice for Tuesday, and <laughs> and I think I know in, what it is. Well, I think I gave you a little clue okay. there in that sentence that I'm in possession of it and there is a possession involved. Okay. Um, I'm going to write it down. You already know. Okay. Go out. I'm not um, going to about it. All the times that I've picked uh, movies on here, I try not to pick movies that I have been personally involved in. And I've been successful most of the time. I can't resist this one though. 
because out of the 85 movies that I've worked on in my 33 year career, I love this movie. And it has uh, it has grown to be uh, respected more and more each year. And, uh, you know, mostly for one shot. But uh, it's uh, it's a lot of fun. I had a great time working on it. It was the second movie I ever worked on. And uh, it is William Peter Blatty's Exorcist Three, yeah, starring we knew that. the great George C. Scott. Seventeen years ago, an extraordinary motion picture touched our most profound, nameless fears. Do you dare walk these steps again? Death be not proud, nor canst thou kill me. Satan grows stronger. You believe in possession, Father? He has found a haven. Come to take a little blood from your father. He has taken possession. The boy had been crucified. His web widens. I've just never seen anything like this in 20 years. Inside this cell. The killer drove an ingot into each of his eyes and cut off his head. Inside a man. Who are you? I am no one. A man we thought had died 17 years ago. He is inside with us! He will never get away! This time you're going to lose. The real terror is back. George C. Scott in William Peter Blatty's The Exorcist 3. Um, I had the pleasure of, uh, of being able to talk with George C. Scott one day. Uh, he said, get was, me another drink. <laughs> no, 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 no. He was very, very well, uh, well behaved and uh, managed on that movie. He, uh, he was enjoying himself and he, um, he wasn't uh, he, he wasn't like all the stories told. Um, he was uh, he was very kind. And, and uh, we spent about uh, 10 or 15 minutes talking about uh, uh, old movies and uh, and what I what my job was and uh, and uh, how he was feeling on doing this uh, film. And uh, it was really it was really amazing because he was, uh, you know, he, he seemed like sort of the uh, kind grandfather that one would want to have. Did you ask um, him to show you the big board? No, I, I did not. But uh, but I, I did tell him that I, I performed scenes from uh, Dr. Strangelove in high school in uh, in uh, uh, competition. Uh -huh. And uh, he said, well, that's uh, I, I hope you did well. <laughs> <laughs> I play like a 52 move. whoosh flying chickens in the barnyard <laughs> uh, The Exorcist 3 began its life as a, a a pitch for a sequel to The Exorcist actually and uh, uh, Blatty uh, then changed it into a novel called Legion and, uh, and sort of 
took out a lot of the references to the original uh, Exorcist. Um, not all of them, though, uh, because actually in the screenplay for the film, there are a couple scenes that are lifted directly from the original Exorcist book that didn't mm. make it into the original Exorcist. And it's really fascinating. Um, I don't know if I've mentioned on this uh, show before, but uh, if you can find the audiobook for The Exorcist read by William Peter Blatty, it's amazing. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it means a little bit uh, more to me because I spent a lot of time with with him in the same office complex when we were first working on the film in Los Angeles. He was uh, right next door and uh, right next uh, to he, the dog face boy. That's right. <laughs> he, and uh, he was in the office all the time. We heard him talking loudly on the phone and uh, he was he was quite the uh, he was quite the personality and uh, a, a very uh, a very uh, uh well, certainly big ego, but he also backed it up. Um, we see in Exorcist 3 that he's brought in a few of his uh, sort of unofficial troupe of actors uh, that worked with him in the ninth configuration, mm -hmm. uh, otherwise known as Twinkle Twinkle Killer Kane, his nice. previous film, uh, including uh, Scott Wilson, of course, uh, Jason Miller, and uh, a couple of the other actors who... Who, yeah, Ned Flanders, absolutely. Ned Thank Flanders, you. but Ned is the guy from The Simpsons, but but he's he's just as good. But yes, I thought I, I thought I said Ned Flanders. <laughs> obviously, it's okay. it was obviously a my story, my my brain is uh, addled <laughs> by animation. Um, <laughs> the the film is fascinating because when you read it, when you read the script, and we did in the art department, uh, when we when you read it, it sounds goofy it doesn't really make sense on paper but when you see an amazing actor or two actors do the dialogue together it's unbelievable it's sort of hyper realistic but it's memorable i'm of course speaking of that uh, strange scene in the movie theater where george c scott lieutenant kinderman talks about the carp swimming yes, in his I love the carp <laughs> swimming in his uh, uh, in his bathtub Fine. Um, when when we when we read that paragraph we were thinking what the hell is he doing here this is this is this is batty this is william <laughs> peter batty um, it's 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 very strange but when you see it in the film it's it's magical and there's no there's no other explanation for it um, because it doesn't really relate to the movie at all. It but it relates to the character. When my kids were um, like b babies, there was a song that uh, we used to listen to all the time that one of these bands that does music for kids, Carp in the Tub. It's called yeah. Carp in the Tub. And no. I, I, yeah, and I, whenever that song came on, I would think about Exorcist oh 3. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> There's a carp in the tub. There's a carp in, no. carp in the tub. Wow. I think about Exorcist 3 whenever I go to an old folks' home. That's so strange. Well, no, that so do I. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, it's, uh, yeah, the, 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 the funny thing is we, we built that whole hospital set on, on one stage at uh, Wilmington, at the DEG Studios in Wilmington. Yeah, but this uh, is, yeah, the studios are still there. Yeah, Wilmington, yeah. Um, and uh, it's uh, at North Carolina, 
by the way, not uh, Delaware. Yeah, Wilmington, um, North Carolina. Yeah, I just didn't That's say right. it. <laughs> but, uh, and we built the whole uh, level of the hospital contiguous. So you could walk from one end to the other and not know that you're on a stage. And uh, that's actually one of the things that uh, that George C. Scott and I talked about. He said, you know, it's it's uh, it's it's nice to be sort of enclosed and, and feel the realness of the whole thing. I said, yeah, I think that was that was part of the part of the intent of the whole thing to sort of make it as real as possible. I've told this story before, but I'm going to tell it again. Uh, during that famous uh, long shot, looking down the hallway of the uh, of the hospital that lasts forever and ends with a a horrific jump scare, the, one um, of the best jump scares of all time. One of the best jump scares ever, yeah. because you know it's coming, but you never know when. Even okay. even watching it over and over again, you still don't know the, the tension of the ice, the sound of the ice melting. It's unbelievable. Um, but I'm in I'm in that next. Uh, uh, room down from what happens. So I'm in there. I'm I'm painting on the wall in fake blood. It's a wonderful life <laughs> above the bed. Um. So I'm in there, and I have to stop while they're doing a take. You know, and uh, in one of the takes, I think the nurse comes in and and just checks and then leaves, and I'm just sitting there on the floor painting on the wall. Um, and it's one of the, it's one of the funniest things uh, of my uh, sordid career. Um, but cause I, I remember what they were doing and I remember, you know, a, a bunch of takes and having to be quiet for a long time. And, uh, it was really amazing. And, uh, but in spite of all that, even if, even if that, uh, even if that was just sort of my only recollection of the movie, um, the movie itself is so much interesting to watch. It carries you along. It creeps you out. Um, even uh, you know there is some debate as to the uh, as to the the power of the additional scenes that they added uh, later, including Nicole Williamson as a uh, as a, an exorcist. Um, but I think that it you know it works. It's a little goofy. It was very strange to us watching it because we had nothing to do with that. Uh, but it, it makes us in, it makes it into the exorcist three. And obviously without an exorcism, uh, you're kind of lying to the audience, but even with that stuff in there, it is a fascinating sort of police procedural almost. Um, and, uh, George C. Scott is amazing. He has, uh, he has inner, you know, inner demons of his own that he needs to sort out that have nothing to do with the real uh, Satan. Um, but, uh, and, and all the secondary characters are played, uh, strangely and beautifully. And, uh, it's, it's really amazing. And, uh, we had no idea that it was going to work as well as it did. I, Exorcist three from 1990. I love that movie. I love that pick. It's one of my favorite horror movies of all time. It's actually, I think it's like, I think Blatty is an amazing writer and the ninth configuration is a terrific film. Also very strange. Um, the, the dialogue, the dialogue in Exorcist 3 is just yeah. terrific. Performances are just terrific. Brad but it only Dorf, works, it only works when you see it and hear it. I hear you, but like, that's what it's written for. <laughs> it's yeah. Like, yeah. It's Brad Dourif 
is amazing. <laughs> and like, it's yeah. just like you are issuing a clear invitation to the dance. I mean, when I think about like the, the part that he played on, um, on, on Voyager, it was a uh, ensign's. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it, the, when he came back a couple of times and I think like that had to have been, um, they, something like from Exorcist three must have inspired that casting because he was so scary and he was so good. Um, well, the thing is on, on the, on the latest release from a few years ago, um, there is the sort of director's cut, which is yep. a work print. And it shows all of the Brad Dourif scenes before they brought in Jason Miller. Mm -hmm. again. And Brad Dourif plays the character all the way through in this first And he is so freaking good. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And this it's is, on the, this the is arrow his release, first right? run on it. Shout Factory. Shout Factory. Shout Factory. Absolutely. Okay, no. It's so, so good. And Dourif is amazing. Yeah, I, I have to say, you know, this is a really underrated movie. And, um, you know, a lot of people don't want to give it the chance because obviously uh, Exorcist 2 is such a train wreck. Uh, right. But you should just skip Exorcist 2 mm -hmm. yep. because Exorcist 3 is the real successor to Exorcist. And it, it just stands alone as a really terrific, interesting, scary um, a film. And not just because Darren worked on it. I mean, it's, 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 it's really, it's really good. And you may be thinking, oh, Exorcist 3, it sounds like some kind of bad director video movie, but it is a really smart, uh, you know, nail biting little, uh, film that you should check out. But I do want to say this is great Scott week. This is not, um, let's, it's movies with Scott that we've worked with. So I'm, I'm worried about Ashley that he's going to pick James McAvoy in uh, X-Men First Class and just keep it going, you know, because I was afraid <laughs> that you were going to, you know, pick Star Trek, the motion picture. Well, Scott is in it. So, I mean, at least we got, uh, you know, you. George C. Scott. <laughs> I am I am thrilled by the picks so far. Believe it or not, I yeah, was not actually surprised. Um, I, I mean, I didn't have any clue what movie Steve was going to pick, but I had a feeling he would pick something with Randolph Scott. Um, I should have known, but I didn't. <laughs> Darren surprised me wonderfully. Yeah. Um, and what I think is great because um, what Darren's pick really sets up is there's a, a, a thematic, actually, there's a thematic resonance between Darren's pick and my pick. Um, because the film for Tuesday and the film for Wednesday. Um, are, are both very concerned with the, the question of evil. And that question is, why don't you just shoot him now? I mean, I'll go get a gun. We'll shoot him together. Scott Evil. Uh, my pick for Wednesday is Austin Powers, international man of mystery. Can I just say one thing? Yeah. Did you listen to the last week's show? No. Okay, because uh, that's what Did Isaac you? picked on God damn it, really? the Sunday Kids matinee. You know what? Well, then Scott. screw it. Scott. Uh, uh, <laughs> no, no, you committed. Go ahead. It's fine. No, I mean, look, because my second choice is Braveheart. Can we go there? No. Um, <laughs> you're right. I totally forgot that we did a Sunday. I yeah. totally forgot that we did a Sunday. So I can't. I can't do it, but that's okay. Well, you you can. Great, it was a kid's matinee, and this is the adult now. No, no, it's fine. <laughs> I thought it was a good joke. I told my joke. Okay. I, you know what? It was like, because the fact that he set that up, like, helped me narrow it down. I got the joke out. It's great. 
Um, so instead, I'm actually going. Are you going to go with Braveheart? No, 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 no. I mean, it's a great uh, movie. It, it I mean, is it's a great, great movie. We don't, whether or not you like Mel Gibson, whether or not you think he's an anti-Semite or not, whether or not you think he's a, uh, you know, a, 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 an abuser, doesn't matter. We're, we're, the films are what matters. Yeah, okay? that's exactly right. You, you know, know and, and given that, given that argument, I think you're right. I'm going to stick with it. I love you. Always have. I want to marry you. And I, you, you and no other. I came back home to raise crops and a family. If I can live in peace, I will. We will be more merciful than they have been. We'll spare the women and the children. For all else, no mercy. I want this Wallace's heart on a plate. Where are you going? I'm going to pick a fight. Well, you didn't get dressed up for nothing. Go back to England and tell them Scotland is free. This one will fight forever. They may take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom! Every man dies. Not every man really lives. Um, because look, Mel Gibson, hugely talented in every phase of the game. Um, you can't watch his films and say, oh, you know, that guy doesn't know what he's doing. Uh, creatively. He absolutely this guy's not phoning it in. Does. Is it fair? The Patrick McGowan, who gives one of his great performances, say, you know, we're not going to talk about Braveheart because Mel Gibson is an objectionable human being. Right. You There's know? so many objectionable human beings in Hollywood. Yeah. It's like, it's just it's like some are better known than others. That's yeah. right. And every so often you sort of scratch the surface and there's an objection. I mean, did you hear today about Carrie Fukunawa? Exactly. I mean, who would have thought? Right. And, and normally I'd say, okay, well, you know what? Uh, wait and hear the whole story. But it sounds pretty damning. That's pretty savage. And it's it's not like, for example, we're suddenly going to go, wow, guys, you know what? Everybody thought Justice League was great. And then, like, we found out Joss Whedon's an asshole. I mean, <laughs> no, you know what? I, you can't put Joss in the same no, company. No, no. Joss oh, no, no, was 100%. an asshole. You know, 100%. that's the worst you can say about. So, yeah, you know, yeah. everyone's entitled to their opinion. But, you know, nobody's accusing him of being you doing these horrible things other people have done. They're just saying he was an asshole who was yes. emotionally abusive, which is bad enough, right? But right. I think there are, this, I'm, I'm burying myself here, but I think that there are prongs on there the ladder. to this shit. There, there are levels, and that does not, you know, But go you're with, right that it should be about the films. It should be, that this conversation is about the films. Um, Braveheart is an excellent film. Um, it's like the scope of, and for those of you who don't know, um, it's about William Wallace, who can shoot lightning bolts out of his ass. Uh, <laughs> arse. Out of his arse. Out of his arse. And he <laughs> paints his face blue, and he fights the British because they kill his girlfriend, and also because he's Scottish. 
Um, and uh, it's about a period in time when the Scots laid down their arms and stopped battling their traditional nemesis, the Scots, to fight the uh, to fight the English um, uh, for freedom. Uh, freedom. It's just freedom. The it's a it's a terrific like epic film. Like you know the um, the 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 huge battles between the armies, like they're, they're, they're exhilarating. They're completely fantastic and kind of incredibly well choreographed, but just the physical violence when it gets up close and personal is equally awesome. And, and those two things don't necessarily occupy the same film. Uh, every time you you go to the movies and there's something that like that Mel Gibson, I think excels at is, uh, is creating a very visceral experience in his movies. And that's one thing that you can say about Braveheart. It's, it's, I think the thing that like, that really set it apart. There was, um, there was a, uh, a competing, that's not really competing, but it's sort of a competing project. A parallel um, project. Yes. Rob Roy. Yes, oh, exactly. Rob Roy. Rob Roy. Yeah. Um, Liam Neeson. He's Liam Neeson for God's sake, yes. right? Liam Neeson is in freaking everything now, and he's great. Except, and um, you know, and he only has a certain set of skills. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> he can have all the skills then. Um, and it's just not as good. It's yeah. fine. Tim Roth is in it, and he's Tim scary. And Tim Roth, and there's that. a one great sword fight in it. Yep, and it's really kind of oh crazy, but but it doesn't have. It's a strange thing to say. But Braveheart has blood in its veins that Rob Roy doesn't. And everything that Mel Gibson does, like whether it's Braveheart or something like Apocalypto, there's blood in its veins. And there is something that the man is saying about violence, like in his movies. Um, And it comes through in his performance. I mean, you get that kind of manic energy from him, but like this sort of very focused, dangerous way, not like, you know, oddly enough, we were just talking about Scott Evil. Um, you know, not like manic energy, like in a in a Mike Myers way. We're talking about like somebody who feels dangerous and wounded um, at every turn, and he he makes William Wallace uh, incredibly accessible. He, he takes a, a movie that could have been just sort of a historical epic, and he 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 just makes it feel real. He makes the emotional stakes feel real. You understand why people would follow William Wallace. Because uh, oh, you believe I, him. I, I totally agree. My favorite character in that is uh, Robert the Bruce played <laughs> by Angus McFadian. Mm-hmm. And he is so freaking good. Yeah. Uh, uh, the the torment that he goes through for from uh, you know, following his father's uh, wishes and then not um it's it's truly a great performance and uh he's uh he's great a, amongst every great performance in yeah that movie. so many great performances in that movie Braveheart is i i always found it, it it's a movie that has one foot in the past and one foot in the present and what i mean is it's a movie that wears its heart on its sleeve it's very earnest uh and very sort of simple in that way emotionally and yet it's made technically, it's a very modern movie in the way it's made, in the way it's paced and yes. structured. Yeah. It's 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 got a beating heart inside of it. That's <laughs> just when you when you said that, I, I thought of a title for a movie called Ernest Save Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of your great not coming soon posters. <laughs> oh my. 
Yeah, Braveheart tour. I've got oh that. My. That was the first movie I remember seeing at the Paramount Theater. It was brand new theater on the lot there. Yep. And I went to a screening of it and I was blown away by the movie. And also, what an iconic score. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, by Jimmy Horner. Yeah. Jamie James Horner. Jamie died. Horner. Did he ever do anything else? Yeah. <laughs> great, a great score by he, James Horner. Two things. And, yeah. and of course, the, yeah. the the luminous Sophie Marceau. Yeah, who's yeah. wonderful in it. Definitely really fantastic. Yeah. Better than she was in World of Not Enough. Yes. No. <laughs> no, she's so great. <laughs> That's why I'm saying, look, you know, every people have every right to dismiss Mel Gibson for a multitude of sins, right? But the movie stands on its own apart. Yeah. It's great. It's great. Yeah. You know, and and then the quite quite honestly, there's a hypocrisy to it because if you look at most of the movies being made in the 30s and 40s and 50s, these people were awful people. Otto <laughs> Preminger was an awful person. It doesn't yeah. mean I like Laura any less. You know, and what he did, you know, the stuff he did was worse. I mean, it's like, you, you know, you could name virtually you know, any of most of the moguls. I mean, this is a whole nother conversation, but it's yeah. just like, I, you that's know, awful people week on the 430 movie. So, so anyway, I can't, you know, I but look, I, I mean, that phenomenon is not unique to Hollywood. Yeah, I mean, true. that's just the world and it was shitty. You know, and so hopefully I mean, it's becoming less shitty. Hopefully, hopefully, right, hopefully <laughs> no, it's becoming it's just, it's become like, but that's a great look. That's a great pick. As, I, as, I, as we learned from the movie, the problem with Scotland is that it's full of Scots. <laughs> <laughs> and the problem with Great Scott Week so is, is it's this full week. of Scots. <laughs> which, is, which is interesting because... My God, it's full of Scots. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm totally screwed because I thought Steve was going to pick Last King of Scotland. So... Um, <laughs> So I was going to go with the tall T, Randolph Scott, right? But now mm -hmm. I can't because he picked, um, because, you know, he picked the seven men from now. Then Darren, I thought was going to pick Patton with George C. Scott. So, uh, uh, so you know, I, I'll, you, you, you didn't. You picked, uh, you picked. You don't, don't want to repeat George but, C. Scott. But I'm not going to go with Patton now. Or Dr. You know, Strangelove. I'm not going to go with Sean Connery as Ramirez and Highlander because he wasn't even playing as Scott. Right. Although you can However, tell from his um, performance. There, <laughs> it's like Christopher Lambert was playing a Scott. Then I'm thinking, you know, look, barely. You know, I don't want to go with films I picked before, like Crimson Tide, The Hunger, Tony Scott. Right. You know, Adam Scott wasn't in first contact long enough for, 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 for me to pick that. Although I really did think you were going to go with Star Trek, the motion picture and Scotty. Um, so it's like then all of a sudden it's like, Oh my God! This, this, this you know, it, it, we're getting you know the, the what field. What will you do? But and and you know, I actually thought about. We talked earlier about Doctor Strange. The first Doctor Strange is actually quite good, but I still haven't forgiven Scott Derrickson for the remake of the Day the Earth Stood Still. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> another movie I worked on. Yeah, well, they can't all be winners. But no. you know, I'm so glad you, you shared your Exodus three stories because those are wonderful <laughs> stories, and it's yeah. a great you know. And I think it was the classic. I mean, The Abyss. You've worked on so many amazing movies. Uh, well, and Star Trek: The Motion Picture Director's Edition. I can't. I can't tell any stories about the Day the Earth Stood Still remake. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, we'll leave it at that. So I, I narrowed it down to two films. <laughs> All right. <laughs> My first thought. And it's so funny. It was um, because I, I wrote I wrote it wrong. I, I wrote the thing, but I meant the sting. Scott Joplin. <laughs> Those are two totally different movies. <laughs> yeah. Scott wow. Joplin is the entertainer. He's essential to the sting. We never picked the sting on the show, which the is hard to thing. believe. 
because the sting is an aw- awesome movie. Right? It is. And, 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 mm-hmm. uh, but, but I'm not going to go with that because in the spirit of this week, I, I think we've had some really, really great picks. So I, I'm going to try and I'm going to go with a little, uh, a little representation here. Uh, I'm going to pick dead reckoning with Elizabeth Scott. Nobody can without opening the back of your car. The back? The trunk compartment. Louis Ord's body's back there. Can I wait for you down the road? No, so. This is Operation Solo. I want you hurt. Either I get that Chandler gun or the slow broiler for you, even if we all cook. I haven't got it. I haven't got it, I swear. His desk. His desk. That's one hoodlum. Where in the desk? Dead Reckoning, of course, okay. is a Humphrey Bogart movie. Yes. Not one of his best, directed by John, Crom- John Cromwell, Jamie, Jamie Cromwell's dad, for yeah. those of you who are fans of the second Zephyr Cochran. Um, <laughs> and, uh, or the father in Revenge of the Nerds. Or the father in Revenge of the Nerds. <laughs> but, um, it's interesting because Scott was kind of like the poor man's uh, uh, Lauren Bacall in this, because, of course, everybody had loved The Big Sleep and To Have and Have Not. And uh, so uh, Humphrey Bogart was on loan to uh, Columbia to make the sort of second great noir where uh, he is a, a GI who's, uh, whose buddy is accused, uh, disappears, accused of, uh, finds out he has a sort of terrible past. It's not a great movie by any means, but Elizabeth Scott is, is, is I think, gives her a, a good performance. You know, she's not. Lauren Bacall or any of the great femme fatales, but I really like her in this. She was great in Pitfall and um, Too Late for Tears. And um, Bogart is great. And he has some great dialogue. In fact, he rewrote a lot of it uh, um, himself. Uh, you know, apparently, infamously, a couple of lines or sort of stuff he would say when he was drinking that he used as dialogue in the movie. I got to um, <laughs> that was not one of them. Oh, okay. And, and, you know, Dead Reckoning is not a great bogey movie, but I think for Great Scott Week, I didn't necessarily want to go with Great Scots. I want to go with Good Scots. <laughs> you know, I said Adequate Scott movie. Adequate, <laughs> you know, movies that had no place. Like, if we were doing, we, we've done Bogart Week. Dead Reckoning, I don't think was mentioned, nor should it be, given all the amazing films Humphrey Bogart was involved with. Elizabeth Scott, uh, it, you know, it was a good actress. You know, she's a foreign model, not not a great actress. In fact, the, the movie had originally been designed for Rita Hayworth, but she was having problems with the studio, so they didn't use a, a uh, uh, lovely Rita Mita made, and they went with Elizabeth Scott. And um, uh, but it, but it's it's a good movie, and it's a fine programmer, and it's short. 
you know, to, to use Steve's criteria. Like, this is a short week. We can fit the commercials in, still make a two-hour time slot. Good movie, uh, good running time. Except for, except Brave, for Braveheart. Braveheart takes up three days <laughs> for the movies. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, you know, I mean, look, it would have been easy to go for us to go with Ridley Scott movies, but I, frankly, I think Ridley deserves his own week. Yeah. And we'll call it Ridley Me This Week. Oh, <laughs> no. Or not. <laughs> so, um, Ridley of the Sphinx. No. Dead, dead. How, about, how about the talented Mr. Ridley? Oh, um, I like that. That's see? better. <laughs> okay, so that my pick for Thursday is Elizabeth Scott in Dead Reckoning with the great Humphrey Bogart. Gosh, right. I'm not sure if I've ever seen that. You're not missing anything. Though. I mean, yeah. I'm not really. This is not, the show is never about picking the best movies every week. It was picking the right movies, right? Right. So I, I don't. I wouldn't argue that you know. The four thirty movies sometimes had pretty crappy movies on. Yeah, it, to and be this honest. isn't a sting. <laughs> this isn't a stinker. I feel attacked. This is like a <laughs> Sunday afternoon. I'm bored. I don't yeah. want to do work. I, you know, it's it's raining outside. I want to throw something on. Yeah. Dead Reckoning is a good choice. I watched Cloak and Dagger yesterday. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Which brings us to Friday. Yes. And, yeah, well, you mentioned Ridley Scott, of course. Uh, everyone's going to be pissed at us for, for not picking a Ridley Scott movie. But we've already picked Ridley Scott movies. We've done Alien. We've done Blade Runner. We did Black Hawk Down. What about The Counselor? <laughs> no? No. Well, we haven't done know. Gladiator or The Martian. We haven't done Gladiator. Right. Gladiator. Or but, The Martian Gladiator. But there are other Scott's I'd watch to consider. that movie. Tony Scott. There are, Gladiator for example. Martian. I mean, Tony Scott, absolutely. But the Top funny gun. thing is, we've had more Tony Scott movies, I think, than really. Because Crimson Tide, we picked. The Hunger, yeah. we picked. Um, Enemy of the State, I think we picked. True Romance, we picked. True Romance, we picked. I, I think we've had more Tony Scott movies than we've had Ridley Scott movies on the show. I could be wrong. Did we ever pick? I guess we never picked Top Gun. Yeah, that's why we I never was picked Top Gun. Did you see thinking. the trailer for the new Top Gun? Yeah. Yes. It looks good. It Everyone's does. saying it's really good. I'm not a huge Top Gun fan, but I actually want to see Maverick. Def definitely says Top Gub. Top Gub. Gub. Top Gub, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, you know, I thought Top Gun Maverick was uh, with uh, Mel Gibson, Jodie Foster. What's going on? Right. James Garner. So um, I, I, there's also Scott Eastwood in Suicide Squad, which is that David Ayer abomination, but he is named Scott. It's a terrible movie. Isaac was lobbying me to pick it just to hear what nasty things we would say about it because he hates Suicide Squad. The first one, of course, we both love the Suicide There's Scott Pilgrim. There's Scott Pilgrim yeah. and the Enemy of the State. Oh, wait. Oh, and, and a couple of my favorite uh, writers are named Scott. Scott Alexander, who yes, of course, right? paired with Larry Karaszewski, did the great Ed Wood, which we've talked and about. And Cody Banks. Cody Banks, The Legend of People <laughs> versus Larry Flint, Man on the Moon, Dolomite is my name. And then yeah. Scott Frank. Oh, Scott Frank. Logan, yes. Get Shorty. I mean, Out of Sight's one of my favorite movies we've talked about. Did you know that the only anagram of Scott Frank is Frank Scott? <laughs> I That's did not. Fascinating. <laughs> I love the idea of picking a writer named Scott. Uh, <laughs> and then there's there's an actress, Kristen Scott Thomas. Yeah, that's true. Or Wedding to the Funeral, Richard the Third. We've the talked English about patient. the show before. English Patient, Mission Impossible. And uh, the producer, Scott Rudin, who is well, that, then we canceled, get but. we get back to the same thing. But again, let's put aside what, you know, again, this was a guy with major anger issues, right? This is not a guy who did the things that Harvey Weinstein did. So, you know, it, it's bad. It's, he's it's, just a bully. He's a bully. He's a bully. He's, he's a bully. 
and we've all, you know, dealt with bullies and it sucks, but his movies stand alone. So whatever we put that aside, him being a jerk and him being an ass and all this other stuff and being somebody who maybe deservedly deserved to be uh, uh, never make another movie again. But the movies he did make. That's what which what, uh, uh, include the Truman Show, Life Social Aquatic, Network, Social Network, No Country for Old Men, Francis Ha, a lot of the Cone Brothers classics. Yeah, there's well, of course, the, there's, uh, the there's, there's, of Scott Speedman. <laughs> <laughs> and Sorry, don't forget uh, the great uh, character actor Scott Glenn. Oh yeah, oh yeah. 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 Also right on stuff. my list, Hunt for Red October, Silverado. I think we picked all of those. Although yeah. I don't think we picked Silence of the Lambs, but Scott uh, Glenn is well represented. Yeah. yeah, Scott Glenn is awesome. Oh, should we go way. with Silence of the Lambs? We've never picked that. I think that's not a bad idea. That's not that's, a bad idea. I, I he's didn't not see the that star one coming. Of it, but he's a uh, oh, he's, he's a major matter. supporting character in it. He's a, and he's great in it. Yeah. He's does great he think, in Does he think of you sexually, Clarice? I mean, <laughs> let, let, let's um <laughs> you know, but it's great to recognize a great character actor. Why yeah. do they always have to be stars? Yeah. He's yeah. a great character actor who brings up, absolutely, you know, and and uh, it's a terrific movie. You know, uh, I don't think Jonathan Demi has been well represented on the show before. Because um, his I, name isn't Scott. Yeah, that's true. But if his I, name I, is Scott, Demme, I actually, I actually kind of prefer Manhunter. But I really like, um, I really like Silence of the Lambs. Uh, um, and there's some great performances, and it's wonderfully directed, and has some great it, scares. It holds up great, yeah. I think. I watched it recent, uh, last year, and it just and it makes up. a great musical. It's a <laughs> yes. <laughs> the only reason I don't want to pick it is because after he listens to the show, my son is going to ask to watch Silence of the Lambs again. He said, "Well, you talked about the show, so I have to hear it." And it's like I don't want to show him Silence, nor does my wife. We both agree. No Silence of the Lambs for thirteen-year-olds. No Silence of the Lambs. Uh, maybe The Exorcist, though. I don't know if he's ready for mm. The Exorcist. I, I, he may want to see Exorcist 3 after hearing you talk so warmly about it, but um, you have to kind of see The Exorcist you first. you got to see The Exorcist first. Yeah, 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 that's the problem. But The Exorcist yeah. is genuinely unsettling and scary. Exactly. You know, unlike a lot of dopey horror it, movies. It's on, it works on levels that you're not quite prepared for as you're watching it, and it just sticks. Which brings me know. back to what I said at the beginning of the show, that Doctor Strange 2 is Evil Dead for Teenagers. That yeah. this generation, it's kind of like, oh, you know, this is a sort of our way in that car. Yeah. 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 Because they like all the, you know, the Blumhouse and the Sinister and uh, Scott Derrickson also. And, um, uh, you know, the Insidious and... And, um, and look, you know, the, the Conjuring one through one house 100, cool. you know. Blumhouse isn't cool. Yeah, well, you so, know what I mean. It's a whole <laughs> different kind of approach to horror than when we... Is we like to get our hands on VHSs that like you weren't supposed to like Faces of Death, right? Things you weren't <laughs> supposed to, to watch. Is there somebody right? named Scott in Faces and of like, Death? And like Dawn, like Dawn of the you know Dude. Dawn of the Dead and like Evil Dead. Like you were watching like when we were teenagers, like we were watching, and it was like you didn't want your parents to see that you were watching these show these horror movies because they felt like you were doing something really really wrong, but it wasn't. That's the funny thing. If you if you felt like you were really doing something terrible and horribly wrong, but it really wasn't. The, you, you had to have transgressive, that, and it's not transgressive. You had yeah. to have that friend who had the cool mom that was okay with uh, renting uh, some of these. Or was never home. Yeah. Or was never. Or was home, but was always in the kitchen with a cigarette. Yeah. Or <laughs> they had a big enough house where you could go down to the basement, and they never came down. Are you want pizza? Yeah. Sure. But that, uh, was, that was my that was my friend Dave. Oh. Don't go up there. <laughs> Is the go down still down there? 
We we watched all of the prisoner down in that basement. You don't mean the show. You mean the person who was chained in the corner. Did you ever say who was number one? Always. You are number two. Speaking of Patrick McGoo. Yeah. Okay. So where do we want to go with Friday? Do we want to go with Silence of the Lambs? I, I think Silence of the sure. Lambs is good. You spook easily, Starling? Not yet, sir. He's past the others. The last cell. I'll be watching. You'll do fine. A killer is on the loose. Keeps them alive for three days. Then he shoots them, skins them, and dumps them. A rookie FBI agent is on his trail. He's got real physical strength, cautious, precise, and he's never impulsive. He'll never stop. But in order to track him down, she'll have to match wits. I'll help you catch him, Clary. Believe me, you don't want Hannibal Lecter inside your head. With the darkest of all minds. Just do your job and never forget what he is. Oh, he's a monster. Pure psychopath. So rare to capture one alive. So close to the way you're gonna catch him, do you realize that? Oh, Clarice, your problem is you need to get more fun out of life. You told me you don't spook easily. You call this easy, sir? Lecter's missing and arms. Man's a raving maniac. Who knows what he'll do? Yeah. Well, let's, I, let, I mean, let's give it its due. I mean, I remember going to see this movie. It came out in 19, early 1991, kind of yeah. in that traditional dead zone of Hollywood, you know, post-Oscar or pre-Oscar, mm-hmm. around Oscar time. It came out in February, yeah. I guess. And had no, you know, I had not read the book. I don't think I had seen Manhunter. So this movie was, you know, I knew who Jodie Foster was, but, you know, I, 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 the poster was so enigmatic. It was just this face with a butterfly on it, like, and yeah. I didn't even look closely enough to realize that there were human figures creating a skull on the on the moth. So I went to see it at the Universal City Walk and was just absolutely gobsmacked by what I saw. It's to this day one of the best written, tightest. It's a terrific screenplay. And really well edited too. Yeah, all that cross-cutting. The, the great misleads of yes. all time. Great, great, iconic performances by Anthony Hopkins and Jodie Foster uh, and uh, and Migs. Multiple Migs. Migs. Ted Levine. Uh, I mean, I think it's one of the only films that Migs won the, can the smell gambit. Your butt. <laughs> I myself cannot. That uh, that that ran the table at the Oscars. Best picture, best director, best screenplay, best actor, yeah. best actress. And you know, I think one of the only horror films to ever be recognized uh, in an Oscar. You know what you really want well with your good bag and your bad shoes? <laughs> so your, many iconic lines. Let, 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 let Anthony finish. No, done. <laughs> No, no room. No room on the 430 movie for poor Anthony. <laughs> a great score by Howard Shore. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, that rhymes. And that rhymes. <laughs> Tak Fujimoto, uh, director of photography. Yeah. Beautifully. Beautifully photographed. And ne- they never got that franchise right again. Hannibal yeah. by Ridley Scott is not good at all. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then... Um, they did well. Although Red, it has Red, some, it has some good moments in it. Then Brett Ratner, Red, Brett Ratner does um, Red Dragon. Another uh, person. Red Dragon. Um, and Manhunter and, was so much better. Yeah, Manhunter's so much better than Red Dragon. And then they did Young, Young Hannibal. Young Red Dragon. I wanted to see him like meet Young Sherlock Holmes. I mean, come on. 
<laughs> oh my god, like Alien versus Predator. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> before before we choose Silence of the Lambs, I just want to mention oh, the film that we see uh, being made in uh, Monty Python's uh, Flying Circus, Scott of the Antarctic. <laughs> I still have never seen any. I want to fight the lion. Any, yeah. any, any Monty Python. The giant tentacled penguin. Well, someday we'll have Faces of Death and a Monty Python movie nice. on the fourth of Like, pretty sure one of those monkeys is named Scott. I mean, didn't you like go to your friend's house to watch these really transgressive horror movies? Of course. Like, yeah, I mean, that's how I saw Evil Dead and Dawn of the Dead, and you know, like, like a lot of the real fucked. Like, um, what I, I, I not um, what was the one, uh. Where she's out in the desert and she ends up not in the dead the jungle and ends up like killing all these people. Um, oh God! The, uh, the very fa- had the famous one sheet. I mean, it was like there were so many like that. There were so many of these. I spit on your grave. I spit on your yeah, grave. Thank you, Yeah. Okay. Yeah yeah. 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 I mean, I mean, it was so many of these movies that last you know, house it was on the left. The dawn of the you know Texas Chainsaw. I mean, it was the dawn of the home video era. And you know, you, you you know, I couldn't sit and watch in the living room, watch the stuff in the living room. So um, you had to go to friends' houses and watch these movies. And I mean, that's where you got to see all the really good sick horror movies. Exactly, and that's what creates people like us. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Okay, well, look, that's I think- a briefly circle back to Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. I just wanted to give a shout out to a another Scott good Clark. adaptation of that. Our friend of the show, Brian Fuller's Hannibal television series on NBC. Absolutely. Oh, good point. Terrific, and uh, was apparently gearing up to potentially readapt the Silence of the Lambs story for television. Before. That would have been fascinating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it really would have. And, and he is such a unique talent and and would have really brought an interesting perspective on it. It's such a shame because, uh, you know, Brian is just such a, a, a you know, a singular uh, visionary. And I don't use that word with a lot of former Star Trek writers. <laughs> <laughs> so Scott Glenn starring moderately. Well, no, not starring, you know, I mean, yeah, supporting. No, he's I mean, and he's, he's great. great in it. Yeah. He's always yeah. great. No, no, you can't go wrong with Scotland. So, uh, and <laughs> actor, you know, it's funny. You don't he'll also be eligible for Great Glenn's Week. That's right. <laughs> Glenn Ford. Glenn, Glenn Campbell. <laughs> Glenn Gary. Glenn. Glenn Ross. Oh, my God. <laughs> Glenn Levin. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, so great week, surprisingly. Go figure. Um, on Monday, Steve Melching, remind us what we're watching. Monday is two, three, four, seven men. Seven men from seven now. Seven men from now, starring Randolph Scott, directed by Bud Bedecker, written by Burt Kennedy. Not a porno. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't say that. Get your mind out of the gutter. <laughs> Darren Dockerman on Tuesday. What are we watching Tuesday, Darren? Tuesday is The Exorcist 3. Three. <laughs> and on Wednesday, Ashley Miller, what are we watching? They can take our lives, but they can't take away our freedom. No, Casey Gibson Casey. Braveheart. In Braveheart. <laughs> Casey Gazem in Braveheart. <laughs> on Thursday, it's Humphrey Bogart and Elizabeth Scott in Dead Reckoning. <laughs> <laughs> and on, it's like Mad Libs. And uh, on Friday, to finish off the week, it's the silence of the lambs, which are still screaming, Clarice. But Scott Glenn is there for you. Scott Glenn. <laughs> <laughs> Scott Glenn. 
Oh, man. I'll tell you what show I missed that Mindhunter. David yes. Fincher's Mindhunter. Yeah, that's good. Ugh. Boy, that was such a good show. Or as I like to call it, the parade of old cassette players. Oh, man, I don't know, you know, what the deal was, why that didn't come back, if it was Netflix or I think it was probably just too expensive. But, oh, it was so good. So good. Yeah. Anyway. um, Well, this was great, guys. We're going to surprise you with an all-new theme week next week. Want to continue to uh, um, encourage you to follow us on social at 430MoviePod and also on Instagram and Facebook. And uh, you can listen to us every week wherever you listen to podcasts. And of course, watch us on the Electric Now channel free app that you can download from your favorite app store. Watch us on Stir, DistroTV, um, Roku, and many more. And uh, we want to thank our producers, um, uh, Peter Holmstrom and Natalie Biscali and Zach Raggetts. Um, and of course, uh, most of all, the great Mark Rivera. Mark, first of all, congratulations on the birth of your daughter, this is amazing. Not only did they just have uh, a, a baby, but he's still delivering these episodes on time. I think in honor of our Mark Rivera, our number one fan and super editor, we should make next week Mark happy tidings. No, happy oh. tidings week. Movies about babies. Oh, that's interesting. About, you know, pregnancies. How about so, on your Mark week? We could. I was going to say, on your mark. Yeah. <laughs> well, that could be like about racing. It's, and It's just no. baby week. But baby. If ba- yeah, ba- hey, baby. Don't hey, baby. Hey, baby. Hey, ba- baby driver. <laughs> hey, baby. So I think, I think, because you know what? If we do a Mark week, it's just celebrating Mark and not mark. his wife. His wife did all the work. Mark yeah. didn't do anything. Well, so. Well, I didn't do much. Mark's his wife week. <laughs> Next on the 4th. No, week. I think, I think. <laughs> I think we we need to do a baby week. Okay, okay. We're gonna baby do baby fish mouth. So that's <laughs> <laughs> sweeping the country. So let it be written. So, so let, let it be done. done. Uh, Steve, are you okay with this? I, I mean, I just sprung this on everybody. <laughs> I, I, I hadn't even thought of it, but I'm so indebted to Mark for the great job that he's doing for us on all the shows. And he, you know, Bill, Bill Ritter has been so busy with all the wonderful shows at electric that, uh, you know, Mark's really taken up the slack and doing such a great job and such a, a fan of the shows too. You know, always the first person to hear the show every week is Mark. He always comes back with such great comments and encouragement. And uh, so I, I feel like, you know, we should recognize this, this wonderful uh, joy in his life um, uh, at least for the next 12 years until she's a teenager. And um uh, I think that uh, that that'd be fun to do a baby week. Sure, I like babies. A <laughs> I like, light, who doesn't like sauce. babies? <laughs> <laughs> and a nice Chianti. So, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, look on behalf of Steve Melching, Darren Dockman, Ashley Miller, myself, Mark A. Altman. We want to say thanks for joining us for another fantastic week of the 4:30 movie, where we celebrated Great Scott Week. But until next week, Eyewitness News starts now. A carp is a fish that will eat anything just as long as that thing is edible. It will even eat things such as dirt, mud, and trash, and it thinks that these things taste incredible. A carp is a fish that will eat anything, and by now you must know what I mean. If you ever meet a carp and you take him to your house, make sure that he's really, really clean. There's a 
carp in the tub, there's a carp in the tub, there's a carp in the tub, and everybody's dirty. There's a carp in the tub, there's a carp in the tub, so nobody's taking a bath. There's a carp in the tub, there's a carp in the tub, there's a carp in the tub, and everybody's dirty. There's a carp in the tub, there's a carp in the tub, so nobody's taking a bath. Mondays we eat vegetables, Tuesdays we eat meat, Wednesdays we eat chicken soup, it really can't be beat. Thursdays are for leftovers, that's daddy's favorite dish. Friday nights we bathe after eating all our fish. There's a carp in the tub, there's a carp in the tub, there's a carp in the tub, and everybody's dirty. There's a carp in the tub, there's a carp in the tub, so nobody's taking a bath. There's a carp in the tub, there's a carp. This show is produced by Dean Devlin and Mark A. Altman and is an Electric Surge Network production.